Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, you're listening to the Future of Media Explained with me, Press Gazette Editor-in-Chief Dominic Ponsford and our UK editor, Charlotte Tobin. This edition, we're finding out why reach is upbeat about online ads, despite the big cookie switch off. And helping us find out more about why the big cookie switch off isn't the disaster that many fear it will be, we are going to hear from Terry Hornsby, who is the Group Digital Director of Reach PLC, which are the UK's largest national and regional online publisher. Before we hear from him, Charlotte, what do we know about Reach and what do we know about the tumultuous online advertising market? So Reach has had a difficult few months year as lots of people know you know made between 700 and 800 job cuts in the past year that we are aware of and that in large part is due to already difficulties in the online advertising market and that's also in part because of declining traffic referrals from they say especially Facebook when we see the full year we might see how the algorithm changes at and updates at Google in Q4 had an effect as well, because many publishers reported Google referrals also crashing. So it is kind of a place of doom and gloom for some looking from the outside right now. Um, I don't think they'd deny that. However, Terry, who, as you say, is a group digital director, was pretty upbeat. And they're basically in a planning stage now with several strands of their response to the end of cookies and changes in the advertising market with lots of testing this year. Um, I'll let him come on more. But the reason we can already see kind of why he'd be feeling upbeat is Reach has already been reporting improvements in the type of advertising it's bringing in and revenue as a result of its collecting more first-party data. So it started its customer value strategy in 2019, where it basically asked people to register and share their email addresses and maybe their postcode, things like that for um, newsletters and and extra content. And um, so they've already said that this higher value data-driven revenue, which also contains um, like contextual from their Mantis 
platform now makes up 42% of digital revenues. And that's a big change from 2019 when it was 24%. So obviously, you can see that if that trajectory continues, they will be in a much safer place. And they're planning for that to support them after third party cookies are gone. Yeah, so the last year, in common with most of the news publishers we follow, their online advertising revenue has been down, jobs have gone. Well, I've got some facts, which I'd like to share about online advertising. If you go back to 2007, the uh, press and um, magazines, newspapers, regional press, national press, collectively made £7 billion a year in advertising revenue in the UK, which was 39% of the total. Or to put it another way, that's £11 billion a year in today's money. Fast forward to 2022, the last year we've got some reasonable data, and every national, regional newspaper and magazine combined, print and online, made £2 billion a year in advertising, which is about 6% of the total pie. Can you guess who was getting 43% of the pie? Which two companies? Facebook and Google. Facebook and Google. Together, they make £15 billion. Pounds. So yeah, so as I understand it, the problem for publishers is that it's very, very hard for them to compete with the monopolies, the data they've got, and reach, big as they are, have got to somehow, you know, get more of that first party data or reader data so that they can address advertising directly at readers. So the cookies are, you know, are these um, files which publishers control. Google's Chrome browser, which... Um, Chrome is 70% of uh, the internet. Google's Chrome browser currently supports, which means that publishers can track readers anonymously and and serve them personalised advertising. And the context is that Google are switching the cookies off, aren't they? So they started switching the cookies off. Allegedly, this is a process they will continue this year. So for 70% of the internet, it's a bit of an enormous slice uh, publishers will no longer have that of uh, addressing advertising at known people. And so, yeah, I'm really interested to hear from Terry that he's not as alarmed about it as some people are. Because some people are really alarmed about this. And they say that Google can take all this technology in-house into something called their sandbox. And then they'll control all of the reader information. And uh, a lot of publishers are saying, well, this is going to take advertising out of our control. And the wider problem is when readers are anonymous, you can sell advertising targeted at them uh, for just a fraction of what you can charge when the reader is sort of known to you or when they've accepted a cookie. So very interested to hear from, from Terry about the strategies that they're putting in place and uh, why he's feeling not too gloomy by the sound of things. So lead us in, Charlotte. Yeah, so I just asked Terry to set the scene to start with by telling me what Reach has been doing to prepare so far uh, since around 2019, just when the customer value strategy came into play, and he summarised kind of three key pillars that he wanted to raise. So we'll go from there. When we first heard about the third party cookie and the, the deprecation of that, we started to review kind of from our point of view what, what we wanted to do as a business, but also where we, we could future proof. Um, so we kind of had 
three main pillars within that kind of um, area. CVS was kind of overarching. That's our customer value strategy, and that's that's where Breach PLC gets to know the customers more. We get registered users. Um, so we started to collect newsletter people newsletters. We started to get people to sign up for in your area for your local news um, and trading that value um, with people to say, look, we, we, we want to know more about you. Give us more information. We'll be able to give you more information back. So that that was kind of the the first party piece because again, lots of people obviously discuss about the third party going away, but the first party is still going to be there for a long time, and and that, that's never been discussed. So for for me, that's the key thing is that kind of that first party piece, and then beginning of the kind of again about two and a half years ago, Mantis was kind of born and created, and the main reason I I developed that was for brand safety but soon after when covid and the pandemic hit we realized that contextual the contextual power of mantis was really really strong um, and it could tell the difference between a covid good story bad story brand safe story and simple examples like you know, identified football matches that were cancelled because of covid but that shouldn't be a reason somebody doesn't advertise around it so it was kind of that then took us on the journey of okay how can we build that out further so that's our second pillar is kind of the Mantis contextual piece. And I think that's kind of one of the main pillars for us. Uh, but then also there's kind of the ID and cookies list solutions in the market as well. So we would always, we track along, we test, we've got lots of IDs being in testing. And, and again, this year is all about really testing and seeing what the buyer side does because we can be prepared, but also there's an educational piece of the buy side and sell side matching um, and coming together to, find a solution um so yeah within three pillars of kind of industry ids contextual romantis and the first party data we think we're we're in a really good place so it's not obviously about having just one of those things like just first party data you've got to kind of have a, a whole package yeah and i think i think again they 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 do complement each other and and with our plus products and the kind of our data segments that we've been layering on campaigns for the last two years there is a clear strengthening of segments when you have somebody signed up to the football newsletter and then you have contextual football content and you layer that over the top that that makes it more powerful and and, and makes that segment stronger so the intent gets stronger um, from the user so i think it's it's not an, an answer for one is going to be a silver bullet it's going to be all t- together and that's why you work with the industry stuff as well is because we've got really powerful data here in the first party in the mantis piece how do we then show that in an id piece so that with somebody that's using the third party id can actually access that signal or then, then that segment so we're working with the partners on passing that contextual segments and then strength signals down the pipes so yeah it's, it's a combination of all you're not going to be able to solve it in all and that's why mantis is b2b because we're going to give that to publishers and give them the opportunity to have them signals as well so we see that as not just a, a reach thing to drill down slightly into each of them um so you mentioned mantis you said you've developed it since the brand safety days which i know we spoke about a few years ago when you first launched it so what are the new elements of mantis that are really going to help with this side of things it's taken the kind of the levels and thresholds of the segments so essentially, before we just said, look, this is brand safe and this is not um, with a series of thresholds and kind of models and rules. Um, what we can do now with Mantis is we can lay down 
different areas of content. So for example, if you used royal content, you can drill down to that royal content being around Kate Middleton, and then you can drill around it being further of it's about fashion. So then you can do royal Kate Middleton fashion, and you can overlay okay and beauty and fashion and put them together. And then you've got a really strong piece for high street fashion, something like that. So that's where we found it's really strong. And the obviously smaller publishers would use Mantis in a broader sense because of the scale. But that's where I think the, the curation piece comes into the market. So what we're, what we're aiming to do this year is bring publishers on board to do. Advertisers can target Kate Middleton fashion across many publishers that are using the same settings, thresholds that Mantis applies. And that allows all publishers then to take part in it. So for our, we've, we've found it really strong that we can overlay that, that sort of hyper-targeted contextual. So it's sort of like very personalised advertising again, is, is that fair? It is in a way, yes. It's, it's a purely contextual, obviously. But what, what the example I use a lot is in the old times, retargeting was all about following you around with a product. And it was always about you went onto a washing machine website, so you followed the person with a washing machine for 30 days and you'd hope that they would get retargeted with that product, et cetera, et cetera. I actually think contextual, when the industry talk about contextual, they say about, oh, it, it can't be as precise as that or can't be as well performing as that. But actually, if I target you in content and you're looking up the top 10 washing machines, I'd say that's pretty hyper-targeted, even though I don't know you as an individual. So that for me contextual doesn't need to be about it's personalized to your environment and it's getting that person that mindset and that environment in the right place and that's to me that's more powerful than retargeting elsewhere so for me it's, it's a really good way of our industry being privacy compliant but also being able to drive that performance for the advertiser yeah and like um consumers sometimes get like freaked out by kind of seeing things follow them around the internet but do you think like a contextual way of looking at it is maybe more reassuring for them yeah, and also you're you're already in that environment, so it does, it's not surprising that that washing machine is appearing next to the top ten washing machines. And if you're looking at holidays in the summer, and actually a travel ad is there, it's all it's all relevant. So I think from, from yeah from from what I can see from users, they engage better with it, they understand it, and they understand why they're getting that advert in that environment. The the other challenge is obviously with third party and retargeting. It's your IP address and your area. So if you're in a building of 500 people and they're all browsing different things, you could get random ads in random places that actually are retargeted, but not to you as an individual. So again, it wipes all of that out because as long as you're in the right environment, you're getting targeted with the right ads in that environment. So that's where I think we do, as an industry, I think we do it a misjustice. I think contextual is as strong, if not stronger in some cases. But we just need the challenge with contextual has always been scale. So that's why I've kind of, I want to work on curated for publishers in 2024 to go, actually, even if it is a small part, you still get a piece of it because you're, you're relevant. You write four bits of content around travel. Somebody else might write a hundred, but at least you're in that pot. Um, and I think that's where we've missed out in the past is that we've just not been able to include that. But with one rule set and one sort of, unified look at how contextual is done at a really hyper-targeted level i think we can perform really well for the advertiser and you said that other publishers are using it what what kind of um relationship have you got through mantis with that so we've got a couple of publishers that are using it to determine brand safety and contextual 
and I guess the, the, the aim there is to be able to let them build their own segments, categorize their own content, but then also be able to combine that with ours. Um, and I think that what we've found is lots of publishers do contextual at a kind of top level. So they do sport, celebrity, fashion, like, and then, and then they'll do, I don't know, uh, recipes, et cetera. But no one goes that layer below because they've not got the technology to do that. So going the layer below and saying food recipes, chicken recipes for under a fiver, that kind of stuff, that's, that's the kind of level we want to go to. And that's the relationship we're trying to build with publishers is to say to them, look, we can categorize all of your content and to that kind of second or third layer. And that's where it gets really interesting because if you can get the person at the right time, it's super relevant and it's super relevant to them and helpful. And that's kind of the key thing with what we've tried to do with Mantis is try and do that. And a prime example of that was I was talking to a, a head of agency in the US. She'd just been married. She'd been on a honeymoon. She'd come back to work and she was still getting told with wedding dresses. And it was like, that's not, that's not relevant to her anymore. But actually what would have been really super helpful would have been, here's some more travel ideas of where you should go now because you're depressed. You come back from honeymoon. You, you need to book the next holiday. It was that discussion with her that actually sparked that for me of how do we help people like this? Like if somebody's browsing content about booking tickets for a festival, then why not on that journey say to them, right, you need wellies, you need your tent, you need your sun cream. And it's all in the festival environment. So you're not going to be surprised that you're getting offered hunt of wellies halfway down the line when you're reading about how muddy festivals are that for me is that's what we've got to do i feel i feel that 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 and first party data any signals we can get from users that are willing to share data as well like they're willing to sign up to the festival newsletter that just layers an extra layer in and just increases that performance even further yes so perfect segue back to the cvs and first party data so like um where are you at with that now at reach yeah, so we've got, I think the latest figures are now 12 and a half or 13 million registered users across our portfolio. And that is, that is people that signed up for newsletters. That is people that have signed up to in your area for personalized local news. I think everybody, when they talk about kind of first by date, they, they look at subscription straight away in that kind of area. Actually, what we've done is said, look, we need to understand people more. We need to give them a service or, or, or a value of content. And that's a prime example of people that sign up to our individual premiership newsletters, like the Spurs newsletter, Tottenham newsletter. They are wanting that information. It's information from a really good source. So again, they, they, they follow the person really, um, and the journalist and they respect the journalist on their opinions. So they'll sign up for that. And, and that then shows us a clear intent. They like football and they like Spurs, right? So it's kind of like it, it allows us to kind of overlay that. And if they consume six or seven bits of content around football as well, and then it just gives us that extra layer. So yeah, we're in a really good place. And individually, the, the challenges we have at Reach is we have at such a scale of sites, but individually we've got first party data for each site. So again, we prepared ourselves for that, that moment where the third party cookie could no longer match the Liverpool Echo in a mirror. Actually, now we've got first party data segments for football lovers on both. So we've kind of prepared. So we so we have this kind of layer of first party data for every domain that we have. We have a mantis layer for every domain, and then we have the industry IDs and and that I'd say that third pillow 
because it's not in our control, is probably the furthest away from where we want it to be. And that's only because we need to test. And and like you said, it's only 1%. But I think everybody does forget about Safari and the other browsers that don't let you drop cookies already, right? So we are already serving Mantis and first-party data segments on all of them browsers. So that shows you that it works. It's a sort of working case study. And so just on the third pillar, the industry IDs, can you just tell us a bit more about how that side of things has changed and how you're looking at that in going into the next few months? I'd say originally probably three years ago, there was industry IDs that were live probably about three or four, and they very they heavily relied on people being signed up for newsletters or email addresses or, or some sort of clearing room technology. Um, I think now with the... There's probably about another 15 that have entered the market in the last two years. And now each of them IDs are looking at ways that they can do it at scale or mass. And the people are using pre-bid and other SSPs, exchanges and DSPs to provide that. Um, and I think that this industry's got to go through this test phase now. So for next year, that 1% cookie is giving you a, a good environment to test. But we've been testing Safari and other browsers for a long time. The challenge you've got with a 1% is it's only 1% and there is an alternative. There's 99% alternative in Chrome. So what tests or what data, and I've seen this recently, people saying about what, what's going to come out of that data because actually they've, they've got quite a lot of space still to use a third-party cookie. So are you going to get a true reflection of that, that CPM and that level, I guess? Hi, I'm Anoush, and I host the New Statesman podcast. Twice a week, we get under the skin of Westminster to help understand what's going on and what's going to happen next. We interview politicians, policymakers, and people on the front line to get you the full story behind the headlines. Plus, hear from our award-winning editorial team, including political editor Andrew Marr, to get to the bottom of what on earth is happening. Listen to the New Statesman podcast. You can subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot you're doing with that's within your control, but in a way you're like responding to a lot that's not in your control. That's like Google decisions and other tech platform decisions. How do you feel about that? Is it just a fact of the industry or like, is it frustrating at times that you're having to run around <laughs> responding to their, what they do? Yeah, I, look, I, th I, think, I think it's part of my job and probably not part of the first job description I ever had, but it is part of a new job description. Um, and I think from my point of view, that's, Personally, that's what makes it exciting for me because it changes, right? And I know, and, and, and I've got to be, I'm getting challenged with how do I get up the solution that comes up with this? Um, and look, personally, I've took it on more than probably others by building something like Mantis. But I, I think from a from a purely industry point of view, we know and understand we don't control the internet. We control our content. We're a publisher. We publish our content. The one thing we do control is how fast we move in our own direction. So how can we prepare ourselves for what's coming next? And I think that's part of the challenge was when this was mentioned two years ago, that's when we took our move and we carried on at the same pace like it was going to change at the end of the year. And that's the key thing is 
everything that gets announced always just take pace and just keep going like it's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, great, you're in a better place. And again, this year, I don't know if it will be in Q4 when it's supposed to be. I think it might be a month after that or so, and lots of other people have the same opinion. I might be proven wrong, but again, we're not stopping and assuming that's going to happen. So I think every public has to just get on with the journey. And also just don't be scared of asking. Since my time in publishing, we've always sort of been all them over there and us over here. And that's slowly blended and publishers have realised that we are competitors in the advertising world. But actually, the reality is we're competing with everybody on the internet. It's not just publishers. So from our point of view, I think it's kind of any publisher that's not sure should reach out and sort of say, look, can I have a bit of help? Because there's no shame in getting a bit of help and you'll get ahead of the curve. I've found a quote from you from uh, when you did one of our webinars in 2021, which doesn't feel like that long away, but actually it was. <laughs> and you said about how um, programmatic for non-trusted publishers may die off, especially with demise of cookies as well, but that programmatic could go further and do better still for publishers like Reach. So I wondered if you agreed with that, like how that had developed since then. Yeah, I think that, that comes down to the point of the the bit that's going to be missed on this journey is the bit that the the advertising agencies don't necessarily know where their spends are going in that long tail of publishers and intermediaries in between are taking advantage that they can target that person across multiple domains at the moment. I think with all of this cookie data curation, this kind of collaborate, like you say, collaboration between publishers, that leads to transparency. So again, there's going to be more clear clear journeys and clear publishers that you're going to advertise on. And for the work we do with Mantis and other publishers, we go ahead and say, look, here's five publishers that are part of this. You're going to spend your advertising budgets on here and the content's going to be X, Y, and Z. So again, I think naturally, the way that you target and you become, you get that performance out of your campaign is going to be targeting premium content. There is going to be sites out there that haven't got real much content, not not why I'd say quality content anyway, that will miss out on this. But again, that makes the internet better for the premium publishers because we're the ones producing content. It costs us money to produce that content. Why should a a site that has no content but just a lot of links make that traction? So yeah, I I still believe that that's going to the the open market and the third party cookies going to get rid of that kind of that supply which ultimately should lift up all of the performance across digital. Mm, perfect. Okay. And um, we've already heard some kind of doom and gloom for the start of the year um, about it being a big and challenging moment for the open web this year and sort of the ad funded journalism for all, which obviously is a lot of what reach produces and some people are calling it the addressability crisis. You sound a bit more upbeat. Um, how are you feeling about the year ahead? Yeah, no, I am. I'm, I'm very upbeat. I think that this year, I'd call this a year of testing. Um, and the reason I'm so sort of upbeat about it is because we've been testing for a long time. So I think that we're kind of in a really good position. Um, and I'm, I'm in a comfortable position that I know that there is a solution, even if it happened tomorrow. And again, it comes back to we've got every first party data segment built across all of our domains. In theory, if it happened tomorrow, you could set up a campaign across all them separate domains. So there is a technical, not very efficient of setting up that many campaigns, but there is a solution there. We know that Mantis is working on 95% of our campaigns now, and, and the only ones it doesn't sit on is kind of tenancies and kind of sponsorships. But again, it's, it's either keeping campaigns safe or it's adding contextual value. 
Um, so yeah, so for, for me, I am upbeat about it. Um, I think there's lots of education that needs to be done and that's my own issue is like test a lot, show some of the results, go out to buyers and advertisers and say, look, this is the results we're seeing. Are you seeing the same? And again, it comes back to that collaboration piece. You're not going to win or lose by not collaborating. And actually, we just need to go, look, yeah, it really does work. Or actually, this doesn't work, so let's let's figure out a solution for that. And I think that's the, you've got a privacy sandbox incentive. Again, lots of people testing, lots of people not, lots of people sort of sitting back and going, what are you finding? So again, I think there's lots of areas for us to kind of test. And it's a really good example of how we can collaborate together. And making sure advertisers and agencies are aware that this is happening as well and what the impacts are going to be on certain things. So I think that's kind of the key areas, really. It's, it's all about testing. And that's I like testing. I like building stuff. So that's why I'm always positive, I guess. <laughs> well, that is, yeah, I'm sure that'll be reassuring for many people if they're in a similar boat to hear you say that. You mentioned the privacy sandbox. What do you make of that? Again, I think it's very early stages. It's very topic-driven, contextual-driven. Again, we will work with a solution. We'll work on how them signals are passed to the buyer. We'll make sure that it's working on our end. We've done some testing. We've done that. But again, it needs both ends to be testing at the same time. And again, we can show our results and say, look, this is what we're finding. Um, I think the aim is to, to take some advertisers, DSPs, the buy side on that journey in the next coming months and just say, look, let's do a test and see what it looks like. I'm really excited because I can pass obviously additional value with Mantis Contextual so I can pass that contextual on as well. So if they have a certain topic or a certain cohort that they fall into, I can add value there. So for me, I think it's a really interesting time, but it's 1% and at the moment there's probably 10% of people testing it as well. Um, So again, we need to increase that, get more people testing it because we need to test and break it and fix it again and, and do lots of different things. So I see a lot of feedback about good, bad, and kind of in the middle and i guess i'm kind of in the middle because i don't see i don't see any bad or good with it i just see that there needs to be a lot more testing done and that's from a technical point of view as well so we'll continue on the journey of being there when it changes um but yeah there's got to, there's got to be some tweaks going forward as well so we just need to work on them yeah cool that's fair enough i guess i just wanted to come to the overall picture at reach obviously in the past year or so i've talked about challenge to digital revenue and in large part the fall from Facebook and Google referrals so I wanted to get your take on to what extent all of this work will help with that and improve that area uh, actual revenue I guess going forward yeah so look I think I think, I think this is part of the journey this is part of achieving them them, them digital revenues and, and growing that digital growth um, Mantis is not just going to stop there um, we've got we've got the recommender uh, which generates page views um, so again, the one of the one of the solutions is get more relevant data, more contextual data, recommend more relevant content to users, so then the page views they can engage and consume more page views, and again that leads to more data points. And again, so it's a big circle. We kind of the way that we've kind of positioned it is so that we know that we've got a suite of products that are in a circle, and one will generate page views, that will generate context, then that gives an opportunity for us to go out and sell that. So. For me, I think that's that's the aim is kind of the, that digital growth come from them products and we will slowly roll them out also to B2B to other publishers as well. And the other thing that people often still bring up uh, when they talk about reach websites is obviously the challenge of having adverts, a lot of adverts on the page, which you 
obviously have to do to bring in the digital revenue but is that a side of things that you're looking at as well to try and improve the user experience can that be part of this yes definitely yeah 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 yeah. and look that's that's kind of one of my key focuses this year so my key focus obviously to bring in revenue but my key focus also as well kind of ux and engagement um and that's where you would have seen in our news and also other news that that traffic and page views and and uh, is challenged uh, and the way that we get that traffic back and the way that we kind of get that engagement is by doing that so again to to your point of if we can have a, a recommender on the page that's got five bits of content that's really super relevant and that makes somebody take another two one or two pages then it allows us to then look at ad units so we don't need that the ad unit on a page and again it comes down to that point of like adopting formats over time as well and i think we've checked we've changed formats over time and there's lots of people have lots of formats to offer um, but it's about being picky in in this new environment again with all the users on the internet in that kind of platform area we have to make our publications similar to that in terms of the look and feel it can't be if you're browsing from one page to another we need to, as publishers, we need to sort of have that unified feel. So, yeah, we, we were looking at UX engagement, more relevant stuff for people. Um, so more relevant content to suggest to them, but also look at that user is interested in that. We're going to give them that experience. So, yeah, there's lots of lots of experiments going on. And again, down to the point of like a person that's into sport content page might consume it different to a news page. So yeah, for us, I think it's UX is at the forefront. We've been lucky over time where we've got so much scale and we've got so many different properties. But again, we can't sleep at a wheel with that. We have to look at UX and we have to look at that design. And as you said, we have to deliver revenue as well. So it's finding that balance. Um, and we know that even sites with no ads still have trouble with engagement. So again, it's about the content, the quality of it and making sure that balance is there. And if you do advertising that's relevant in the right way you can achieve both so yeah we're, we're focused purely we're purely one of the pillars is focusing on that for 2024 as well is ad block listing or blacklisting or whatever you call it still an issue or um because mantis obviously dealt with that has that brought numbers down like is it still there a bit i think the underlying logic still exists so somebody will see an event and they will put that keyword on that list Right, that's the, that's the, that's by default because that's a natural way of doing it, and and outside of the Mantis technology, that is how it works. Right, so so um, competitors in the market they will use that keyword block list as their kind of their their sort of go to to justify whether to serve an ad or not. Um, but the metrics on top that we layer on is is the key. So if you do block the word poor patrol because a toy has hurt a child. That's fair enough. You need to, to keep away from that. But with Mantis, you can say poor patrol, negative sentiment, um, unhappy emotion, but okay for positive, happy, what's on that kind of. So you can you can siphon that kind of content off, um, and we we've we've seen it massively improve um, our campaign delivery and our scale. And simple things like just like again looking at publishers that have got recipe websites and they they mention knives or chopping or pieces like that we've 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 opened up 50 60 percent of people's inventory because we've said okay chopping in a recipe is safe chopping in a terrorist attack is not that that is kind of what it comes down to so them nuances and then models will always be built they're, they're all different same as the winds like the the weather 
the weather is safe to advertise around. But again, there's been some really tragic events where people have had trees. And, and again, we can, you don't have to block a whole segment. You can say, right, I just want to block the, the, the unbrand safe part of that segment. So yeah, it's, it's opened up a lot. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that's helping. Perfect. So I think just to end, what would you say to other publishers that have been feeling a bit worried about the end of cookies and whether they're ready and that sort of thing? What would be your parting message to them? Yeah, look, I, th- I think worrying is good because it makes you care. I think shout if there is anything that I personally would help anybody. So it's shout if, if, if you're confused about something or something's not clear because our ecosystem is very good. It's a communication industry, but it's not very good at making things clear. So make sure that publishers feel that things are clear and just start working now. Don't wait until the day that it's supposed to happen or the day after it's supposed to happen. Um, prep, preparation is key in digital. And, and again, you might work on something for six months and it changes, but at least you're there and you've been working on it. Thanks for that, Charlotte. It's good to hear from Terry. It's good, good to hear that we're still hearing from people at Reach because they had a bit of a bit of a bad um, end to the year, didn't they? And a lot of people have left. And I, they could be forgiven for keeping their heads down a little bit, but it's good that they're sort of talking a little bit now about plans for the future and uh, putting their best best foot forward because they control a lot of really, really important brands, don't they? Um, they've got the national media titles, the Mirror, and it's really going to be really important in an election year for many, many... Uh, people around the UK um, reach the fair, the main way that they get their sort of uh, local news from Manchester Evening News downwards. Really, really great brands. So obviously Reach have obviously uh, thought about this stuff a lot and they're definitely the biggest publisher in the UK when it comes to, you know, journalism on the open web as opposed to um, people that are pursuing other models like paywalls. What do you think is the biggest take-home for uh, other publishers who, who like them want to see a sort of future for journalism on the open web and but that's funded by advertising? Well, I'd say the first thing is if you don't feel ready yet, don't panic, just start right away. Um, Terry definitely um, made it sound like, you know, even Reach with lots of things more in the pipeline, This they're seeing this as a year of testing. Obviously, it's worth noting that Google only started by taking cookies away from 1% of Chrome browsers. So there's still a long way to go. So don't panic. Reach, they are like um, putting out Mantis on like a B2B basis. So if you think the contextual benefits sound good, but you aren't able to build your own thing like they are, then, you know, um, this, I think industry collaboration is good at a time like this. So if there's a tool that you think sounds great then just express interest you know something useful might come of it and i think they are definitely moving in the right direction with first party data as well and there's a lot that others could still develop further in that sense so um i think yeah it was it was really nice to hear um i know that you've been hearing some quite downbeat stuff and it was really nice to hear someone at like the biggest publisher in the uk saying you know we're preparing, you know, we might not be exactly there yet, but we are on the right track and we think others could be too and this isn't the end of the world. And it is reassuring that he sees trusted publishers as having an advantage over kind of these more clickbaity made for advertising things. So if, if they go, you know, we're not so worried about that. We're worried about these 
premium trusted brands that we want to stay into the next era of the internet. I tell you what, that would be a great thing, wouldn't it? If um, some of those uh, clickbait websites were wiped out by the death of cookies, I could get behind that because I, um, I lose a lot of time clicking on some of those links. This is the deepest hole in the world, is it? Oh, no, I've got to go through 50 slides until I find out whether or not it is the deepest hole in the world. <laughs> There's so much bad content, yeah. Yeah, so well, it's all up for grabs, isn't it? I think being upbeat, I think whatever happens, maybe cookies change, You know, new business models are created, we're going to have a bunch of regulation coming down the pipes. You know, If we get it right, there's a good opportunity, isn't there, to um, set up the sort of digital ecosystem in a way that promotes quality content and safeguards you know, journalism for another generation. You've been listening to The Future of Media Explained. From me, Press Gazette, Editor-in-Chief Dominic Ponsford, UK Editor Charlotte Tobit, we were produced by Suze Cooper. If you want to find out more about the death of cookies and strategies publishers are coming up with to um, get some revenue in and invest in journalism, check out our website, pressgazette.co.uk, and sign up for our online newsletters. Thanks very much for listening. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.